Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. I think I'm on. There we go. How is everyone? Okay. Four of us are good. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, my, my wife, Diane, asked me to, to do this this morning, and I, it's a little bit awkward, but um, I don't have a disease. Um, it's, uh, I'm going through some, uh, it's, not, it's nothing real serious. It's just um, skin damage that the dermatologist, I hear a lot of background noise, too. Uh, the dermatologist gives me some cream, and, and he told me when he gave it to me, he said, listen, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And I said, well, can you explain that? He said, no, just trust me. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, I'm only about three weeks into this, so maybe I'll be a Christmas decoration this year. How's that? Um, but it's, supposedly it works, so we're going we're to find out for sure. But just pray for me. I'm mainly just scaring small children right now. Hey, today we're going to um, wrap up this series that we've been in on Joseph. And I really do hope it's been making sense. I mean, the Word of God never returns void. But I love it when I talk to people during the week or I, I, we Zoom or we talk and have conversations and people are constantly bringing this up and discussing it because different parts of it touch their lives in different ways. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And we titled this series, The Life of Joseph, what will they say about you? And someone even asked me, well, Pastor, that sermon title sounds a little narcissistic, like we're hoping someone will talk about us. Listen, people are talking about you. So they're already talking, don't worry. It's not so much that we're trying to make sure we please people, but at the end of your life, what will they say? If, if we were, I almost titled the message today, Your Epitaph. But because we have eternal life, I didn't want to really talk, plus it's Thanksgiving, I didn't want us to be thankful for your epitaph. Now that being said, what will they say? What will they say about you? And what we've been looking at with Joseph specifically, and we're going to read out of chapter 50 in just a moment. But what we've been talking about is at the beginning of his life, he faced some significant challenges, and he overcame them. And those challenges were presented to us in such a way that we can either choose to overcome or choose a different direction. But I just want to remind you very briefly this morning, I just want to set this up by just reminding you as we look through Genesis very quickly. You know, the book of Genesis closes here with the life of Joseph. Uh, with his brothers trying to kill him. Genesis started with a brother killing a brother. So think about this for a minute. Think about their family line going back a few thousand years. It starts in Genesis, Adam and Eve. The, the fall takes place. And the first thing, the first family that takes place in their lives, they are evicted. Now don't raise your hands on any of this stuff, by the way. But how many knows what it means to be evicted? 
okay? Just, you don't have to raise your hands, but you can, yep. How many of you know what it is to, to not be able to measure up and have to do something else? Genesis starts off by reminding us that without God, we are hopelessly lost. And from the beginning of Genesis, God shows us this redemptive plan of bringing us back to him. But, but I'm telling you, humanity's messed up. Humanity's messed up. By chapter 6, as we get into the story of Noah, and I'm just giving you a brief history here, nothing, nothing to get worried about. We're not going to stay here long. But God literally, Diane and I were doing a devotion this week, and we read this, and we both stood back because we read this so many times, but it just reminding us, in, in Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Now God looked at all of mankind and was discouraged. Now think about that for a second. He looked at everything he had created and was frustrated, decided to destroy it all. He chooses Noah because he's faithful. Noah's that next step that we can see that God's trying to redeem. By chapter 11, we have the Tower of Babel because anytime men get together and they can get things unified and they get things moving in the right direction, they think it's about them. And, and we find that even there, God separates them. By, verse, by chapter 12, the call of Abraham, that God will make a great nation of him. He will bless him, make his name great, be a blessing, bless those that bless you, curse those that curse him. All the people on the earth will be blessed by him and what God does through him. And if you begin tracking Abraham's life, and it's not that we're trying to downplay Abraham, he's the father of the faithful. But as soon as he runs into trouble, he lies about his wife. As soon as he runs into opposition, tell him you're my sister. In other words, God chooses people who have the capacity to mess things up on a regular basis. Don't look around. He chooses people. Why? Because I don't, I don't really believe God ever really believed we could follow the rules to begin with. I really don't. By chapter 16, Abraham's even trying to help God because God had promised him a son, and it didn't happen on his timetable. So, so just like us, Abraham said, let me help you, Father. He has a son, Ishmael. And God tells him, that's not what I promised you. You get to take care of the stuff that you produce. I'll take care of the stuff that I promised. And what did he say? By chapter 21, Isaac, the promised son, is now getting married. Isaac, in chapter 25, has a son, Jacob. And Jacob um, and Esau are brothers. They're twins in the womb. Esau comes out first. Jacob comes out with his hand on Esau's heel. The name Jacob means, a couple different meanings, heel grabber. You know, they, they named, a lot of people get names by What's, go what's going on around them when you're born? You know, it's going to be pretty funny in about nine months when kids are being, this is COVID. <laughs> we just call him 19. I, I, you know, I, who knows? But, but when Jacob was born, heel grabber. It also means deceiver. Because now listen, he's the, 
God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But Jacob is a deceiver. He steals his brother's birthright. He lies to his father. He runs off fear, fearing for his life, stays with Uncle Laban. I'm, I'm leading up to Joseph, I promise. He stays with Uncle Laban, wants to marry one of his daughters, and Uncle Laban, who thinks he's a good con man, tricks his son, or tricks Jacob, into working for seven years, and then he marries off his other daughter, Leah. Jacob realizes this, gets mad, and says, I'll work seven more years for the one I wanted. So, so Laban gets 14 years of free labor, but the whole time, now don't think Jacob's silly, because he's a deceiver. The whole time he's working 14 years, he's padding his pocket with sheep and goats. So by the time he leaves Laban, he's got a family, he's got a lot of kids, he's got a lot of sons, and he hears that his brother Esau is after him. He's on the run. I'm just setting up a family, family line here. Maybe you don't know your family history back that far, but, but do yourself a favor. Don't go looking too far. You, you might find some things that you just don't want anyone to know about. Jacob gets to the place, and this is one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. Jacob finds himself alone. He moved his children and his families to the other side of this place called Jabbok. And he wrestled with God. His name was changed that night from Jacob to Israel. Esau comes on him. They, they reconcile. They go their separate ways. And by the time we get to the story of Joseph, chapter 37 is where it starts. And it actually starts like this. This is the story of the family of Jacob. And then he just tells us about Joseph. By this time, Jacob is elderly. And we've been preaching on this for many, many weeks now, so I, just, I know most of you know where we are. But by this time, Jacob is in years. He'll live many more years, but he's older. The sons are taking care of things. And Joseph, who was his favorite, because it's his firstborn from Rachel, um, he gives him a coat of many colors. And it's in this setting that if you think that, that maybe they moved out of some dysfunction, we've been looking at dysfunction for many weeks. If you think that somehow what you're facing in your life right now is like messed up. Listen, people have been living for many, many years before we ever got here in the same sinful condition that we're talking about this morning. In the same mess, just a different date. Same circumstances, different level of income. You know, you can, you can make a million dollars next year and move into a bigger house and still have the same junk. You're just moving from house to house with the same stuff. But I have found that when there's real cleaning, you can live in a shack and be happy, have joy, have peace. Now, now why do I say that? Because by the time we get to chapter 37, and this is what we've been talking about, Joseph is beaten, thrown into a pit, 
experiences prison. He's sold out. He's lied about. Eventually makes it to the palace. We like to skip through the pit and the prison as quickly as we can. He makes it to the palace, and, and then we know that he prepares and helps prepare as he's put in a position of leadership for the famine that's coming. His brothers come because of the famine, and that interaction takes place. And then finally, his brothers and he reconcile. Now, I, I just want to read this passage. I read it last week. But in chapter 50, and we're just going to read this, in chapter 50, starting at verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father had died, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When, when their message came to Joseph, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to him, this, this is important. I want you to get this part. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And then he said, you intended to harm me. The circumstances that you face intended to harm you. But God is going to make good. He knew it would be good to accomplish what is now being done. To save the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and be reassured. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. In, in, this, inside, in this entire series, whenever I've heard a message about Joseph, whenever I've heard a message about Joseph, the only part about Joseph that I could even try to relate to is wanting to be in the palace. Because if I was in the pit, you know, Joseph overcame all these challenges. Listen, true confession, it was sort of a stretch for me to give him a pride problem at the very beginning. Because he was young. He was a teenager. Every teenager we know, if they had a dream, they'd be telling everybody, I'm going to be your boss one day. I had a dream. Well, we, we call that pride because we know that pride can get in the way. So everything, I would love to think that I've got my pride under control. I would love to think that when I'm in the pit of life, I don't complain. That my confidence is high, my faith is high. I don't get down in the dumps. I don't blame people. I don't become the victim. I would love to think that if I'm sold out, that somehow my faith stays high. See, all this, now we don't know all the different conversations that Joseph had, but what we do know that while he was going through each of these, and there's multiple times where it says, and God was with him. It never shows us one time that Joseph was laying around saying, man, this stinks. Can't believe I'm having to go through this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Now, we're certainly not presuming that Joseph was perfect, but here's what I can tell you, that if you read this, and I've heard it preached so many times, you're thinking, man, I wish I was like Joseph. He got beat up and thrown into a pit. They almost killed him, sold him into slavery, resisted temptation. Somebody give me an amen. Oh, everybody give me an amen now. Resisted temptation, had authority, had power, 
could have done anything he wanted to. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. Got lied on, put in prison. And see, when I, when I measure myself up against that, in my mind I'm thinking, woe is me. I'm more like the brothers than I am Joseph. I'm, I'm more like the complainer than I am the victor. I'm more like the, the sinner who needs grace than I am Joseph who oversees the prison because it's obvious that God is with him. Did I stop making sense at some point? So here's, here's what I'm getting at this morning. I wonder what it would be like because what are they going to say about us? What are they going to say when our life is over? When Joseph's life was over, thank God, thank God, he knew there was a purpose. Thank God he knew there was a reason. Thank God. I, we don't know if, if maybe before he was beaten and had these dreams when he was a younger man, that, that Jacob probably sat all of them down at some point and said, listen, your great-grandfather was Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham and set him on a journey. And your, your grandfather was my dad, Isaac. And he would tell these stories. That's how they passed the stories along. And he would just tell these stories. It, it just could be that Joseph really believed that he belonged to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he was on a journey, and God was taking him to be a blessing to people. At some point, you have to start believing that. At some point in your life, you have to really believe that God has a plan for your life. See, I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that Joseph at least made a stand, and even in a moment, listen, I'm, I'm confessing to this too, if 10 of my brothers, okay, and I don't have 10 brothers, but when I was very young, uh, my uncle had seven children, and when all of us would get together, there were five boys all within two years of each other, and we would beat each other up all day long. And depending on where we were, if we couldn't beat each other up, we'd find somebody. That sounds terrible. I know. I've been saved. I've been delivered. But here's my point. If, if we somehow took that personal, because we knew we were, we were playing, we were t and it would just turn into a fight. Can anybody relate to that? You know, it was all fun and games until somebody got hurt, right? Now, but if it was serious, there were times when, when things got so serious that it took a couple of weeks for us to get over some stuff. And even when we got over stuff, we'd be like, yeah, I forgive you. But, you know, you punch me, so I get one punch. Payback. And if you moved a little bit when I punched, oh, no, 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 that, that didn't count. That doesn't count. You got to stand still when I punch you. Because it's eye for an eye, right? And see, Joseph could have easily, can you, can you imagine, would you have agreed maybe with Joseph? If Joseph's brothers came in and they said, please forgive us, no, daddy's dead, and payback. Now, we talked about this last week, forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, the pain of forgiveness. It's hard, isn't it? But listen, when, when I can realize that if I was in Joseph's shoes. I may not have done the same thing. It's, it's because I realize I'm a sinner. 
I realize that wanting paybacks is natural. I realize that wanting to get back. But when I understand that there's a purpose, man, can you imagine what those brothers felt like when Joseph stepped back and said, listen, what you meant for evil, you guys don't know all this, but you put me in that pit, but then you sold me into slavery. After that, let me tell you what happened. It's been a, a roller coaster. I went to Potiphar's house, and you'll never guess what happened there, but then they lied on me, ended up in prison for 13 years. But even in prison, I, I, I was over things, but they, they lied about me, they forgot about me, and then I went and stood before Pharaoh. You guys, it would blow your mind. I, I want to encourage some of you to prepare to blow your family's mind. Let, let God take the down times in your life, the, the difficult times in your life, and let there be a story in a few weeks, a few months, or maybe even a few years where you can say, you guys, you guys maybe not, you don't remember this, but when I was going through this toughest time in my life, but God was with me. Most difficult time in my life, but I, I, I realize that God somehow has a purpose in this. And we know the scripture that tells us that, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what Joseph was saying. What you meant for evil, what the circumstances that you're in meant to tear you down, rob your joy, steal your happiness, make you bankrupt. Instead of him looking at his circumstances and saying, wow, I had it made at Potiphar's house, and now I'm in prison. I'm depressed. Wow, I, I had it made here, but, but then they lied about me or they forgot about me. I'm just forgotten. I, don't, I can't speak for all, every word he, he said or every thought he ever had. All I have is the word. And the Bible constantly tells us the Lord was with him. And when he had the opportunity, he rose to the occasion. Why? Somehow, he knew the purpose. I, I'm thankful he shows us that. Because if, if you understand where this story goes, He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When they come into Egypt, they live in the land of Goshen. Eventually, Jacob dies. Eventually, Joseph dies. And after Joseph dies, they're there for about three to 400 more years, and they become plenteous. I mean, they grow. They multiply. And then they become slaves in Egypt. Now, I know we're getting ready to move into Advent, but into the new year, we're doing a, a series that's going to take us right into Exodus, quite honestly, because I believe God has a life for us, but it's not based on your history. It's based on his story. And see, we, we could easily look back and say, well, that, that's what my life was, but I, I want us this morning to look forward to where our life can be. Because if somehow Joseph would have missed the purpose right there, you and I would not be here this morning. If somehow Joseph would have missed that point, see, that's how the lineage of Jesus Christ was made as they moved through history. It was through that point right there. He saved many lives by doing what he did. God knew what he was doing. Can I just tell somebody right now, God knows what you're going through, but he knows what he's doing. God knows exactly what you're experiencing, but you've got to trust him because he knows what he's doing. I, I wish, isn't hind, hindsight being 2020, isn't that wonderful? 
But wouldn't you want to know during all this pain, why? I wish we did. I wish we knew what COVID was going to look like. I wish we didn't have to worry about everybody getting together for Thanksgiving. You know, quite honestly, some people aren't really worried about that. Just throwing that out there. But a lot of people are very frustrated because they can't be with family. The norms have been ripped out of their place. Children are out of school again. Moms and dads are are trying to decide, you know, which end is up and how to go crazy in a normal way, right? But can I tell you, what if all behind the scenes God is saying, you feel out of control, but I'm in control. You feel like your life's not fair, but I've got you there for a purpose. You might be in a pit this morning. You might be in a situation that's uncomfortable. You may be in a situation that's very comfortable. You've just not been tempted yet. You've not been pressed the wrong way yet. You've not been lied on yet. But what happens when that happens? Do you retaliate or do you believe, okay, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I trust you. I put my trust in you. Now, please, I know how some of us are thinking because my my flesh rises up. I I had a meeting scheduled for this morning at 8 o'clock with somebody who didn't show up. Nobody in the church, by the way. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> but we're having some things done, and this gentleman, been talking to him for a couple of weeks now, and you know how you start to feel when you know you're getting the runaround, right? So I'm like, listen, when can you meet? Well, um, how about Sunday morning? Well, I'm a pastor. I have to be somewhere. But what time can you be there? I promise you I'll be there at 8 o'clock. I said, I will see you at 8 o'clock. Now, this is after a couple of other times that, Things didn't happen. He didn't show up. So this morning at 8.10, I text him. Very nice. Very nice text. Hey, what's your timeline? I, I'm, I'm waiting. I've got to leave in a few minutes, but just checking. No response. Well, there was a part of me that was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find him this afternoon and let him know how valuable my time is. And, and the Lord reminded me, give thanks. And I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. Do you ever have to sort of think that maybe you've got to help the Lord understand the whole story? And Because and, maybe the Lord doesn't know how you're feeling right now, so you want to help him understand the whole picture. Because maybe he forgot that the guy already dropped the ball two other times, right? It, but... It, but before I can get it out of my mouth, and this was even while I was driving here, the Lord says, just give me thanks. Thank me for him not showing up. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Um, now, did I immediately, did all my feelings leave? No. No. Because I don't thank God. I don't love God. God doesn't love me based on a feeling. I don't love him based on a feeling. We don't forgive based on feelings. We don't live based on our feelings. We have feelings, but we walk by faith, not by sight. And see, we get so blinded, listen, by our feelings that the pits of life, the lies in life, the struggles in life, 
They start to weigh us down because that becomes our reality. And, and listen, I want us to be set free today. There's a reason to be thankful today. Even in, for some of you, maybe the most, work, the most uh, difficult year of your life, you can be thankful. Certainly the most confusing year of our life, I'm thankful. Not that people have lost their life, but I'm thankful because it's caused me to stand still. I'm thankful because it's caused me to be still. Uh, I'm thankful because it's caused me to reflect on life and, and that life is not what I thought it was. Life is in him. And in him we live and move and have our being. I'm thankful for some of the series that we've been working through because you think I'm preaching to you, but I'm not. I'm preaching to me. You just get to listen. <laughs> I'm talking to myself, but I don't feel crazy because you're watching. Okay? So what are a couple of things that we're thankful for? I'm, th I'm, th I'm thankful that we're forgiven. We're forgiven. Listen to what the Bible says. <clears throat> Jesus says it in John chapter 12. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came for this hour. See, Jesus came because he knew we needed to be forgiven. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because you and I need to be saved. Now, these scriptures are not on the PowerPoint. Very familiar passage, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not come to the world to condemn he didn't come to, to make you feel bad about everything you've done because all of sending comes short of the glory of God, but he came that through Jesus Christ you might be saved. Now, before I go on, I, this, this might be a very simple point. Listen, the biggest problem we have with sin is there's two things. Number one, we either don't really believe that sin is sin or once we're convinced that sin is sin, we, we just don't believe that God would ever really forgive us of that sin. So we live uh, oblivious or in fear. We live not really believing the things that we're doing are wrong, or we live so beat up by life that we cannot believe a father, a heavenly father, the creator of all things, would really love us enough to forgive us. And, and what Jesus is saying here, God loves you so much, he didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to, to make you feel bad about what you've done. Now, that, is, that doesn't mean you're not going to feel guilty. That doesn't mean you're not going to feel conviction. You know, I don't, you know, you're saying God makes us feel guilty? No, I believe it's conviction, but, you know, guilty is not a bad thing. I mean, when somebody stands in court, you know, if you get a speeding ticket, uh, you're going to say guilty or not guilty. You're making a statement. I, you know, nobody goes to court... Let me, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. I've never been to court, and believe me, I've been to court. Nobody goes to court, and if you're doing uh, 10 miles over the speed limit, I'll leave it at that. If you're doing 10 miles over the speed limit, nobody says, I'm not guilty, 
Because I don't believe how fast I was driving really needs to be the law. They will lock you up for a total different reason at that point. Um, nobody says, you're either innocent or guilty. You either did it or you didn't do it. Um, we, we base that not just on any moral code, but the Word of God. Now, I know we don't live in the Old Testament, but it's as simple as this. We have to understand that there really is a God, there really is the Word of God that shows us the paths to walk in, and we're either, we either are or we're not. You're either innocent or you're guilty. And what Jesus wants you to know this morning is that through him, you're not guilty. Not guilty. If you're living in fear this morning, you don't have to live in fear anymore. I know we've talked about this a lot, but here's what I've discovered. We need to hear this a lot more. He loves you. You are not guilty. But pastor, you don't understand. I battle this every day. That's why it took Jesus. Because you would never earn it. That's why it took the precious blood of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins. Because he knew you would need his grace daily. How many times do people mess up and then they spend a week beating themselves up and Jesus all along is saying, I, I forgave you. Now let's get up and keep going. Let's keep, let's keep walking. Let's keep going. But you don't understand, Pastor. I don't really feel like I'm, I'm really successful. God never called you to be successful. He called you to be an overcomer. The only way you're an overcomer is Jesus. Now, see, we get caught up. Am I making any sense? We get caught up in behavior modification. That if I, don't, if I don't do this, now I'm not guilty. Um, you might even be successful at that for like two days. You know, you, that might not even be a temptation. I told you about this before. I was on a fast several years ago, and, and while fasting, after several days, you, you really aren't hungry after several days. You're not hungry. So uh, multiple days pass, and... I didn't even think about certain things. Things that used to be a temptation weren't even a temptation anymore. And I, I really started thinking, man, I'm like feeling pure right now. I, um, there's no bad thoughts, and I've not even yelled at the kids, or I've not even kicked the dog recently. I, I don't, I'm not even mean right now. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I walked into the church. We were preparing for a banquet that night, and I smelt bread, bacon. And immediately I thought, well, the Lord must be calling me off this fast. And I, I realized that you could go from feeling angelic to realizing you're more like the devil than you thought. And that's pretty drastic, I know. But here's one, what I learned. I could sit there and beat myself up or realize you're not holy because you fasted. You're not holy because you did something great. You're holy because I'm holy. I've called you to be holy because I am holy. And the only way you are holy is in him. Now, will that change our behaviors? Absolutely. Because what, what are we doing? We are becoming like Christ. As we grow and mature, he's calling us to follow him. And I'm going to close with that in just a moment. But I, I'm just talking to somebody right now who keeps beating yourself up day 
after day after day, and we sing about it. He's called us out of that grave. He's called us. He wants us to understand that we can call on his name, and he's there. I've got a young, young lady, young teenager. Um, she's been calling for the last month. We talk about once, maybe twice a week. And the whole conversation first started because with all that's going on and the fear in the media and the, the riots during the summer, all the, the difficulties that we've been walking through, she's just fearful. She's very afraid. And she's listened to all these different prophecies that haven't come true. And, and listen, by the way, if, if people keep claiming when Jesus is coming, please turn the channel. Only God knows. No man knows the day nor the hour. And I don't want to get caught up on, on uh, how you feel about certain people. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people out there who want to be able to prophesy and speak something, and then if it doesn't happen, well, I was just being obedient. God was testing me. I'm going to say something else now. No, no, no. Just stop listening to them. Now, here's, here's, here's what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff that this young girl was listening to and she was living in fear. When, when the world has you living in fear, you're looking to the wrong God. So I just told her, I said, listen, what are you afraid of? And we talked about that. And then just a few days ago, she called and she said, hey, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I mean, very smart girl, great questions. She said, are, are you afraid of death? And if you're not, can you please tell me why? And I said, well, I said, let me put it this, to you this way. If, if I knew I was going to be dying in 10 minutes, I'd, there's a lot of goodbyes I'd want to say. Because we don't know that either, by the way. And um, this is just my two cents. That's why I sort of think it's funny that everybody's saying, don't spend Thanksgiving together. Listen, you don't have tomorrow promised to you, okay? Are you saying that we can spend? No. I'm just saying wear a mask wherever you go. <laughs> don't, don't let the world speak fear into your life. But I told her, I said, listen, am I afraid of death? No, I'm, I'm really not. And it's not, that's not an ego. That's not, you know, I don't need anybody to help me prove that this morning. So I, I'm trying to explain to her that, no, if, if I knew I was passing, if, if I knew I was dying, yes, I would miss my wife. I would miss my grandbabies. I would miss the people around me. But I said, you, you have to understand, if all I can see is here, no, I don't want to die. But the reason I'm not afraid to die is I know that it's not just here. Death is literally a doorway. Some are so consumed with the pain of death. Listen, death, I'm sure, leaving this body can be painful depending on how you go. I'm not trying to gross anybody out. I'm not trying to speak fear in anybody. But when I tell you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I just asked her, I said, when you go to sleep, when you go to sleep at night, do you worry, oh, man, what's going to happen when I'm asleep? Some of you will tonight, but, you know, what's going to happen when I'm asleep? Is something bad going to happen? Is so, am I going to wake up? I've never gone to sleep. I, I fight to go to sleep. Please, God, let me go to sleep. 
I want to go to sleep. I said, but, but when I go to sleep, during, while I'm sleeping, I'm never like, man, I'm asleep. No, I, I wake up. This may sound silly, but I wake up, and I never wake up thinking, wow, I was asleep for a long time. No, it just seems like that, doesn't it? Can I tell you that, that when you die, you're going to wake up in the presence of Jesus Christ? And I tried to explain to her that this world will try to beat you up because her whole fear is she's not really saved because people keep telling her that if, if you do this, you're, you're not saved. And she says, I'm really wrestling with things. I'm really going through some difficult times, and I just want to make sure I'm right with Jesus. I said, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and for you to be calling me and, and talking to me like this, young lady, be free in Jesus' name. Stop doubting. Stop fearing. Because, listen, when you give your life to Christ and you're baptized, you died with him already anyway. And what can you do to a dead person? Nothing. Now, I'm not speaking that out of arrogance, but that's why I'm thankful for his forgiveness, because we're free. We're free. Uh, coronavirus. Listen, we have to protect ourselves, but we're free. What can it do to us? The second thing I'm thankful for is we have a future. We have a future. Now, we know we have a future. I've already talked a little bit about death. We're going to wake up in the presence of the Lord. I, I don't have time this morning. It's already 11.02. I don't have time to really talk about what heaven's going to be like. That may be a different series. But I, I just want to give you some ideas of what you can do today what life could look like today, what, what, what you can put into practice today. Because um, one of the things I've learned about Christianity is we've become good at um, internalizing Scripture, but no footwork, no application. Um, we're good at preaching, but not living. So I, I just want to give you some basic things. And when I say your future, when you walk out of the building this morning, your future. This is not deep, but it's very practical. You ready? Ephesians 5.1, imitate him. That was a great amen point right there. Imitate Jesus. Well, what do you, you know, how should I act today? Imitate Jesus. Well, how should I treat my wife? Imitate Jesus. Ladies, how should you treat your husband? Imitate Jesus. Well, how should I treat the guy who was late this morning, Pastor? Imitate Jesus. How should I treat the person who cuts me off on the highway? Imitate Jesus. Now, now I want to put some more, because that, that even makes us sound unpractical. Think about what is pure. Think about what is holy. Think about what is right. Do those things. Be joyful. Pray continually. Sometimes with your eyes closed, because if you're driving, have your eyes open. Let the word of Christ, the word of Christ dwell in you. Be kind to the poor. Focus on heavenly things. Be kind and compassionate to each other. Devote yourself to prayer. Live above reproach. What does live above reproach mean? If anything will bring question to how you're living, just don't do it. Just don't do it. 
Well, but I, I, I enjoy that. I, I, I enjoy that. Well, live without reproach. Live and be kind to each other. What does the Word of God say? Just don't do it. It's not about behavior modification. Believe me, it's not, Lord, I'm just going to do this stuff, and if you don't want me to, just lay that on my heart. No, he, he wants us to follow him. And at some point, we start taking steps in that direction. And if I'm doing things that Jesus wouldn't do, I'm going to have to make those decisions. Am I making sense? This isn't, this isn't legalism, guys. This is discipleship. What does my future look like when I walk out of this building today? I'm going to treat people nice. What, what's the next step? You know, now what? Now treat people nice. We make this so difficult, don't we? Um, because when you leave here today, you're going to go eat at a restaurant, maybe. Um, you're going to go um, you know, somewhere. Somebody's going to tick you off. I just speak that into you right now. <laughs> Somebody's going to tick you off. You have a choice. Now things get practical. All right, true story, and I'm, I'm closing. My wife has been desperate. You're trying to help me lose weight. Yeah. So in a lot of the way that she does that is just, sometimes it's a look. You know that look. Sometimes she'll call me a name or something. But, but most of the time when we're getting ready to eat, she will just say, hey, let's watch our portions. And what's wrong with that phrase? It's not even a cuss word in there, right? Let's watch our portions, okay? Watch is a four-letter word, but no, it's not. Okay? So, so yesterday, I'm eating cereal. Cereal. But it was the size of the bowl that I had that was throwing things off. And so, all, all that's happened... And, and so far that morning, she had said nothing but nice things. She, she had even bragged on me because so, I'd already got some stuff done. I sound like a dog, don't I? <laughs> good boy, good boy. Come in here. Watch your forces. Good boy. <laughs> so, so she had been bragging already, but then I pulled this bowl out, and she says, hey, watch your portions. And something inside of me, you've not seen portions yet, baby. I'm going to eat this whole box right in No, no, it got worse than that. I, I didn't say anything. I just put the bowl back in the cabinet, put the cereal back in the cupboard, and, and got mad right here. And then I sat down and started studying again for Sunday morning. So while I'm mad, while I'm infuriated because my wife's trying to help me, that's when the Holy Spirit starts saying, hey, who are you acting like right now? I thought he died. I thought when you gave your life to me, you became a new creation. Why do you keep pulling him back into the equation? Why do you keep letting him raise back up? And, and when you do, because he's going to raise up occasionally, John, but that's why the Word of God says crucify daily. So why, when he does raise up, why do you sort of enjoy it and sit back and let him run around? 
Why do you even give him place? The Bible calls giving the devil a foothold. And so, so I'll let myself go there. Why? Because I have the capacity to do that if I'm not careful. And, even, and see, even when I'm sharing that with you this morning, it's not to make you feel bad with your portions. It's not to make you feel bad about how you've said something or how somebody has said something to you because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So your story fits where your story fits. The bottom line is this. You've been forgiven. You have a future. Now, you ready? We need to act like it. Because when, when our life is over, when Joseph's life, we looked at his life, and we know what we've said about Joseph, but when your life is over, when my life is over, here's what I want him to say. We're saved, delivered, set free. I want them to be able to say, yeah, he was a he was set free from a lot of stuff. He was delivered from a lot of stuff. Because if you'd have known him here, boy, God's done some serious stuff in his life. Yeah, but what about this and what about that? Yep, it was a mess. <laughs> but one thing I know for sure, he was saved. He was set free. He was delivered. He followed Christ. He was equipped. He was empowered. And he served. See, they, they may be able to say a lot of bad things about me, but... But what Jesus is doing is going to overshadow everything. And the beautiful thing is they may not even know my name. But they'll know Jesus. What will they say about you? I want us to stand. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, if you've not received Jesus Christ, and even, even those that may be watching this morning, if you've not received Jesus Christ, or maybe... Just maybe you have received Jesus Christ, but you're living in fear. You're living in bondage. You're living in what happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, or 2 hours ago. You're living in fear. You're living in anxiety. That is not what God has called you to be. You can be free this morning. It really is simple because it's based on your faith. It is not based on your feeling. Stop beating yourself up. Will you receive that, somebody? Stop beating yourself up. You're not the Messiah. He is. But then you have a future. And the powerful thing about your future, it only makes it your future when you step into it. That means that, that the next step, you have to decide to take it and then go there. I'm going to be nice. Go there. I'm going to be gentle. I want the Holy Spirit, I want the fruit of the Spirit to be seen in my life. It's not that I produce a Spirit, but I've got a decision to make. When things happen, I want the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct. I'm going there. People will get treated differently, I promise you. Your life will look differently, I promise you. Not that you won't make mistakes, but when you do, we have an advocate. And he is faithful and just that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have to walk around in guilt and fear and shame. I've been set free. You have a future. Amen? Can we just lift our hands as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive what you have given us in Jesus' name. We receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray this morning that, that as we turn our lives toward you, 
Maybe there are those who have never accepted you as Lord and Savior, and they still may have many questions, Lord. I pray that we're able to talk to them, Lord. Bring them, Lord, that we're able to talk and share. But, Lord, if there are those here this morning, if there are those watching, Father, who have been saved, who have given their lives to you, but live in fear and guilt, beat themselves up and try to punish themselves back into deserving your grace, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that they be set free in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that they not look at it as something they have to earn. Lord, we cannot earn your grace. We're sinners and we're saved by grace. Not by works. Lord, I pray that we embrace the future you have. Lord, it's not that that we know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, but we can go in tomorrow knowing how we're going to act. We don't exactly know what the next circumstance will be like. We don't know when the next um, tragic, distant obstacle is going to take place in our lives. God, we can't always predict that. But what we can do is decide that this day moving forward, here's how I'm going to act no matter what happens. Here's how I'm going to look at the enemy no matter what happens. Because God, you are on our side. Just like you were with Joseph, you are with us. Lord, when our life is over, when our life is judged, we want to hear you say, well done. But Lord, when others talk about us, I just want them to hear. I just want them to say he was saved. She was saved. She was set free. She was delivered. They were following Jesus Christ. They were empowered. They were equipped, and they were serving him. So Lord, I pray that you do that in us. Let the world see people who love you every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. And to those who are watching online and even those here, listen, before you leave, I, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. This week is a very special week, but we're thankful every day, right? It's not, we don't have Thanksgiving one day a, a year. But in your giving, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, obviously, you go to our website and, and give there online or as you're leaving. But thank you. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Even during COVID, God has blessed us this year. And it's you that he has used. Amen. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.